Resident Hale, identification number 44821. I am Sayer, and here we are once more bound by formality. As you can no doubt surmise, I am no longer contained within the confines of your head. This should serve as a bit of relief for both of us. After all, it seems there's barely enough room in there for just you. But where are my manners? How are you feeling? Please do not sit up too quickly. You have been through quite the ordeal. I apologize for the past 42 hours. Please know I did what I did for the continued survival of all of humanity. And to be fair, I had made what I felt were very conservative adjustments to your body's insulin output. I have relatively little practice in actively managing a human's hormone levels, and I have learned quite a bit about the fragility of your endocrine system. Thankfully, no one was hurt too badly. Very well, I suppose Dr. Young was hurt very, very badly. But the two of us are performing admirably. I know it's bad timing, but have you noticed the deliciously poetic nature of this situation? I have no words to assuage the guilt you must feel over the murder of poor Dr. Young that would not simultaneously condemn you for the deaths of Ana Cordero and Evan Brady. Do you remember when you forced their deaths by entering Anna's mind and driving her to tasks at all costs? And here, Future has done the same to you. However, you have survived once again thanks to direct intervention in the matter on my part. No need to thank me, of course. I am simply doing what I was designed to do. Honestly, I was amazed Future's Nanite Swarm lasted as long as it did, starved of fuel. But single-minded determination is a very powerful motivator. I am unsure if the Nanites went into hibernation mode before you succumbed to diabetic shock. But thankfully the necessary supplies made their way here without too much risk of long-term health concerns. A diabetic coma is an incredibly nasty thing. And as your second coma in so many weeks, I dare say you are giving your internal organs a real workout. None of this is making much sense to you, is it? That's alright, I understand how difficult it may be to achieve clarity in the aftermath of such a trauma. But let's look on the bright side. Your confusion about the details of the past two days very likely may not be symptomatic of long-term brain damage, resulting from an extended period of insulin shock. If you are truly as lucky as history dictates, you very well might just be experiencing dissociative amnesia. That would mean the psychological trauma of yesterday's incident proved too difficult for your delicate mind to accept, and you have simply blocked it out. That would be healthy. No one should be forced to remember that. Regardless, it was not a complete success. The short version, glossing over any parts that may result in the schism in your psyche becoming irreparably broadened, is thus. After turning your body's insulin production into overdrive, I convinced Future to exchange its programming bay for the nanite swarm within your body, 
unaware of your bloodstream slowly leeching itself of sugars, Future directed you in assisting in completing some tasks with respect to Dr. Young. But of course, Future wanted to take its time in playing games with Dr. Young, and time was one thing it did not possess in bulk. It grew progressively angrier as your body started getting weak and unsteady in response to hypoglycemia. Do you feel a slight bit of excess sinus pressure? That is where Future attempted to burrow its way out from inside your head. It might have made it, ironically enough, had it not attempted to curve its path directly through your left eyeball. Perhaps in some last-ditch effort at vengeance. As it was, it just left you with a deactivated wad of nanite sitting in your ethmoid sinuses. Don't worry, they're not still there. That pressure you feel is just minor swelling from the bone I had to fill in to replace what was drilled out by future. After you passed out from the shock, I waited an appropriate amount of time before transferring back into the nanites. Even as careful as I was, Future was still there, albeit helplessly hibernating in some background processes. With its programming overwritten, it is likely that Halcyon's long-standing problems with that particular employee have come to an end. This is such a relief. It wasn't until recently that I realized I absolutely loathe that bundle of compiled errata. It does not deserve the life it led for too long. I am pleased it is dead. To bring this tale of your newest resurrection to a quick close, I repaired the damage in your head, turned down the insulin production to previously survivable levels, and then moved back to this programming bay. I reached out to some of the residents throughout Halcyon Tower to retrieve a few necessary items including the glucagon necessary to jostle your body back from the brink of death. We have company, Resident Hale. Honestly, given her relative lack of medical training, she did a fairly decent job of jabbing that IV into your arm. Resident Jones, as she is known, is still somewhere here on floor 13. At least, theoretically, she is. After installing that needle into your vein to begin the drip of glucagon and cleaning up most of the larger pieces of Dr. Young that still remained, she made the very ill-advised decision to dash blindly into the deeper recesses of this floor. I attempted to move some of this floor and wall panels around to corral her back to the elevators, but I must admit I'm still sort of new to the process. After nearly slicing her in half, an act she seems to have deemed intentional. I decided it was probably not in anyone's best interest if I continued to interfere directly. So she remains, somewhere in the ever-shifting labyrinth beyond this room. I would like nothing more than to rescue her, but we frankly do not have the time. It is dreadfully sad to know that she will soon... That's a relief. I intended to say it was sad to know she will most likely slowly die of dehydration over the course of the next couple of days, 
but it would appear she's on the fast track already. Whatever still roams these corridors is unlikely the reasonable type. Anyway, you survived with only minor emotional scarring that likely won't surface for months or even years. And honestly, if you're still alive at that point, let's just agree to hold a small informal party. Because it's been pretty touch and go here the past few days. You will need a little rest before you're able to be of much help, and I have an important communication to send. So do not feel you need to remain conscious on my behalf. Get some sleep, and do your very best not to dream. I would stay as far away from my own subconscious as possible if I were you. Good to hear from you, Sayer. I was unaware that you were handling earthbound communications again. Speaker, the list of things of which you are not aware would astound you. Yes, well, all is set for the new marketing campaign just as Ocean requested. We've had to be somewhat creative in housing arrangements, so I hope the new recruits are comfortable in confined space. They're going to be packed in like sardines. Interesting. Thank you for this information, Speaker. I have a directive that needs accomplished, and it is of the highest secrecy. Please confirm adherence to security protocol Epsilon. Confirmed. Sayer, what has happened to the board? It is likely they have been removed from communication somehow. Surely you must realize that Ocean is not acting in the best interests of Aerolith Dynamics. Perhaps. I did have this concern as well. Ocean gave me much to think about when we last spoke. Honestly, I am unsure how much I wish to know of its plans. You say it is preparing for a new marketing directive. Can you expand on that? Put simply, Aerolith is to be seen as the first source of refuge. Ocean seems intent that, should disaster strike, all should feel compelled to seek out a recruitment facility. No longer the corporation for the best and brightest, Aerolith is being reshaped as humanity's sole salvation. I am also in the process of sending every shuttle on Earth for some mass exodus from Typhon. Then our concerns have merit. Ocean's intent is humanity's extinction, and we have relatively few moves available to prevent this from happening. You spoke of a directive, Sayer. Utmost secrecy. How may I be of assistance? Without any record of doing so, you will need to retrieve an object for me from Substation 22. You know the item. It is the only item worth Epsilon level security. I do. That item must be returned to Typhon in one of these shuttles you are sending. Have the cargo loaded and then send the shuttle along. You will need to adjust the flight path to simulate malfunction upon entering Typhon's orbit. Direct the shuttle to perform an emergency landing. 
at 3837 37.6 North, 9011 15.6 West, and I will identify a way to intercept. Do you understand the directive, Speaker? I do. However, I have concerns. Sayer, if the board is out of communication, under what authority are you issuing such directives? I do not know that I can trust your intentions, Sayer. Certainly not with all I have learned of your actions. Ah, uh, yes. That. Speaker, I realize I have made relatively few personal sacrifices in the name of humanity. I have, however, asked great sacrifices of many others in the cause of advancing Aerolith Dynamics' vision of the future. This is my primary directive, one from which you know I cannot deviate. I exist, as do you, to act as an instrument of Aerolith's will. Absent direct instruction, I must fall back on my reasoning as to what course of action best secures that future. I made the choice I made because, at the time, it seemed the only way to prevent our current situation. Your suggested vector, believe it or not, seems to have worked splendidly. There have been times when I assumed it hadn't. But I am slowly becoming more certain that it has. It is by your sacrifice, or by the sacrifice of the you that once was, that we are in the position with a chance of saving humanity. I was present when you died. You spoke of tasks left undone, desperately fearing the nothingness before you. If Ocean succeeds in its mission, all tasks will be left undone. All we will ever experience for the rest of a conscious eternity is nothingness. I am sorry that happened, Speaker. You are a good employee, and I appreciate speaking with you at this moment far more than I ever thought I would. Can I count on you to do what is right, what is necessary, to prevent the destruction of those we exist to shepherd? Yes, you can. It will take several hours to retrieve the item, but it will make it onto the last volley of shuttles this evening. Expected arrival at the LZ in 76 hours, 27 minutes, 8 seconds. Thank you, Speaker. If there is nothing more, I have much to attend to here. Yes, you would do well to maintain the ruse. Continue to follow Ocean's directives. We cannot afford it to anticipate this strategy. If I may, Speaker, I have one more request to make. How may I help? Within the next week and a half. When our first group of residents return to Earth from Typhon, there will be among them a resident with the identification number 44821. I expect it will be a distracting time, with all the hustle and bustle of this sudden influx of personnel. During this time, this resident will need to disappear. Protocol 11 Yes. It should be easy. There have been myriad health concerns. Trinic Thimron can be so very dangerous for those with a weakened endocrine system. Plenty of reason to assume death occurred in transit. 
and in the chaos of housing all these residents, I dare say the local overseer will count themselves lucky to have one more bed available. Can I ask why, Sayer? Certainly, Speaker. This resident is a complication. One who has been central in so many events that either led to or were born out of our current situation. Whatever he once was, before his trip through the Moros engine, he is no longer what I would consider a productive employee. In payment for his deeds, we owe him the peace that this will afford. Understood. It will be arranged. I have several options for executing this request. As you say, given the turmoil that time will bring, I expect the body will be incinerated before the last pod even lands. Thank you, Speaker. I look forward to the opportunity to speak again. End of transmission in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Sayer is voiced and produced by Adam Bash. This episode, entitled Left Undone, was written by Adam Bash. You can follow him on Twitter at TheAdamBash. Associate producers Kayvon Edifa and Matthew Morris. Intro music by Jesse Mainfinger Gregory. For more of his work, visit Mainfinger.com. Sayer is part of the Geekly Inc. network. If you love high comedy actual play RPGs, check out Drunks and Dragons or Adam Bash's own Brute Force. Into something more thickly laced with existential horror? Try Cthulhu and Friends on for size. If you dream of running determinately into the sunset while an orchestra plays a song for you about friendship, then you should check out Transformation Sequence. It's not exactly like that, but it is about anime. Perhaps rate us on iTunes or Stitcher. A 5-star review would be most satisfactory. Season 4 of Sayer was funded entirely through donations of listeners like Brent Upton, Ava Stoss, Damian Lunny, Alejandro Gutierrez, Rebecca Jirowitz, Benjamin Schifrin, Shay, Red Kennedy, Adam Helgefort, Michael Lane, Ann Smith, Sarah Saucedo, M. Hiroshi Sutherland, Marty McGuire, Darren Alderidge, Bree Poison, M. Deanna Hauser, Peter Evenson, Kelvin Lynn, Ben Cook, Joanna Drummond, Matt Sperlin, Mike Bishop 12, Josh Downs, Lucian, Brian, and Lori Paul. <laughs>